chat. It's always a blessing when we can be together. As Joseph just read for us, wisdom is very important. The book of Proverbs over and over again extols to us the value and the benefit of having wisdom in our lives. The passage he read for us in Proverbs 4 does that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 has a long discourse on the benefit of wisdom in our lives and the blessing that wisdom brings to us. In Proverbs chapter 3, let's start reading with verse 13. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning of verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the depths were broken up, and the clouds dropped the, down the dew. My son, let them not de uh, depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, when you lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble when the, from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught. Over and over again, the book of Proverbs, the wise man is writing to us the benefit of wisdom. God wants to save us the heartache that comes from not making wise decisions and not living a life that's directed by wisdom. And kids, your mom and dad are teaching you about God's Word so that you will make wise decisions in your lives, so you'll do wise things. Now, you don't have to listen to your mom and dad when you grow up. You can do whatever you want to do. But the book of Proverbs is telling us if you don't obey the Bible, and if you don't make wise decisions, you're going to have to suffer for that. Your life will be more difficult if you don't make wise decisions in it, if you don't follow the instructions of God's Word. Not only does the Bible tell us how important wisdom is, it also gives us lessons on where to find wisdom and where we can find wisdom to make our life better. This morning, I want to look at you with you at some unlikely sources of where we can find wisdom. And they're found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. In Proverbs chapter 30, beginning of verse 24, there are four little things that are presented to us here as having wisdom, four little things that we need to emulate in our life when it comes to making good decisions about how we live our lives. Proverbs chapter 30. Look at verse 24 beginning. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. Here we go. Number one, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, yet they, provide, they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands. 
and it is in king's palaces. This morning, let's look at four little things and the lessons we can learn from them in the area of wisdom. Have you ever looked at an ant or a locust or a spider and looked at lessons you could learn from them? The book of Proverbs tells us we should. Let's look at those lessons this morning. What can we learn from these four small things? First, we learn from the ants that we need to work while we can. Chapter 30, verse 25 says, The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. When do you see ants gathering food? You don't see them in the winter, do you? And that's not just because there aren't a lot of picnics to raid in the winter. No, ants aren't gathering food in the winter because there's not much food to be had. They gather food in the summer. That's when they work. They work when they can. They work when they need to be working. They work when there is food. And so it is with us as well. We need to be busy. We need to be diligent in our work. This isn't the only time in the book of Proverbs that the ant is put forward to us as a role model in being a diligent worker. In Proverbs chapter 6, in Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 6 beginning. Proverbs 6 beginning verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. There's nobody telling the ant in the morning, it's time to get out of the colony. It's time to go get some food. You really need to get to work. No, the ant does that. The ant works when it is time to work. And we need to be like that. You know, it's very easy for us to put things off. It's very easy for us to delay doing the things that we need to do. And yet the ant teaches us when it's time to work, we need to get our work done. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, or sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 tells us about this, this danger of procrastinating what needs to be done and looking for reasons or excuses why we shouldn't be doing the things that need to get done. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you're looking for an excuse not to do something, it's very easy to do that. The idea here is the farmer who has seed that he needs to get out in the field and he sees things going on, like, well, it might rain today, maybe I won't. And that farmer will never get that seed in the ground if he doesn't stop looking for reasons not to get the things done that he wants to do. We need to make sure that we're looking to the ant and we're getting done the things that we need to get done. You know, it's very easy for us to become lazy. We live in a society that prizes leisure and relaxation. And it's easy for us to become lazy and complacent when it comes to our work and getting things done. Proverbs chapter 24 tells us about the field of the one who was lazy and the dwelling place of that person. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 beginning. Look at this. 
Proverbs 24, verse 30, beginning. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a pallor and your need like an armed man. We see it here, don't we? And we've seen that dwelling place of the lazy man who it's overgrown and it's falling down because he just wanted to rest. He didn't want to get his work done. We need to be working. You know, that is the ultimate goal of many in our society today, though, isn't it? To be able to lay around and do nothing at all and have everyone else attend to my needs you have obtained, if you can get someplace on a beach with a chair and an umbrella, and you can sit there all day and people will bring to you whatever you want to eat or drink, and they'll fan you and take care of you, and you just sit there and don't do anything. That's not the picture of what God wants for us in this life. God wants us to be busy. He wants us to look to the ant and learn lessons about working. You know, work is good for us. Do you know that? Work is good for us. In the Garden of Eden in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 8, God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there He put man whom He had formed. If you drop down to verse 15 in chapter 2 of Genesis, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. There was work to be done in the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden was a place where everything was good. That tells us that work is not bad. Instead, work is good for us. God wants us to be busy. Now, there was a curse associated with work in chapter 3 of Genesis, but work itself is not the curse. The working conditions that we have to work in now are a curse. But work is good for us. We need to look to the end. We need to be busy. I want to tell you, we've got to make sure that we keep things in balance. We need to be busy working, but all the work that we need to get done doesn't happen in the office or it doesn't happen out in the field. It happens all through our life. We need to be busy working, doing the things that God wants us to do. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4, in John chapter 9, verse 4, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. There's spiritual work that we need to be getting done. We need to be working for God. And Jesus said He was going to do that work while He could, while He had the opportunity. And we, like Jesus, need to be doing God's work while we can. It's easy to put off our work. It's easy to put off our physical work as well as our spiritual work. We need to make sure that we're not. Do we have things in our life that we know we need to be doing, but we're not? We're procrastinating or putting those things off. Have we allowed other things to take priority over the things that we need to be doing? We need to make sure that we're not doing these things, that we're looking to the end. The ants are small things that are put forward to us as a role model because they work while they can. 
Proverbs chapter 30 goes on and gives us another small thing. The rock badger. Rock badgers, they protect themselves against their vulnerabilities. Look at chapter 30, verse 26 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 26. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags or in the rocks. We don't have rock badgers around here, at least to my knowledge. I've never seen one. But I don't need to know a lot more about the rock badger than what is written here. They are weak, but they understand that they're weak, and they make homes and they hide out in the rocks where they can be protected. And they're put forth as wise creatures for doing that. Psalm 104, verse 18, mentions the rock badgers as well and says something very similar. Psalm 104, verse 18, the high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. Rock badgers are weak, they're frail, they're relatively defenseless, and so to compensate for that, they hide out in the cliffs where things can't get to them so that they're protected. They recognize their vulnerabilities and they protect against them. Now, the rock badgers aren't condemned for being cowards, for hiding out in the rocks. No, instead, they're wise because they realize their weakness and they compensate for that. And so it must be for us as well. If we're going to be wise, we need to understand our weaknesses and we need to protect against them. Each of us has weaknesses. There's nobody here in this room who doesn't have weaknesses, who doesn't have things that they struggle with, who doesn't have things that are difficulties. We need to understand that. Maybe it's our temper. Maybe we've got a short fuse. Maybe it's our tongue. Maybe we say things that we wish we hadn't said, whether they be vulgarities or profanity or whether it just be us expressing things that we probably should have kept to ourselves. Maybe our tongue is our weakness. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe we think that we really are something special. Maybe we're not the best person in the world, but we're a whole lot better than the folks that we're around. Maybe it's our pride. Whatever it be, whatever the weakness is, we need to understand where the weaknesses are, where the temptations are, and we need to protect against being victim to those weaknesses. Like the rock badger who knows that the predator could get me, I'm going to hide out in the rocks. So we need to understand where our opponent, our adversary could get us, and we need to be on guard and protect against that, whatever it may be. We need to be strengthening our weaknesses. Maybe that comes from us increasing our faith. Psalm 18. Psalm 18, beginning of verse 1. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Does it sort of sound like we're the rock badgers here if we have the right perspective on things? That we're hiding out in God. He's our fortress. He's the one who's going to protect us. Strengthening my faith. Because God has promised to help me if I'll cling to Him. 
And maybe as I realize my weaknesses, I, need to re I realize that I need to cling closer to God so that He'll protect me. Maybe it means I'm going to study more. Maybe I realize my weaknesses because I haven't spent enough time in the Scriptures, that I don't understand what God wants from me and how God has given me instructions on how to deal with my weaknesses. Maybe I need to study more. Psalm 119.11. Your word I've hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Have we hidden God's word in our heart? Do we realize our need for that? And it's not just an academic need. It's not just so I can win some trivia questions about who did what in the Bible. I'm hiding it in my heart because I realize it's going to protect me against my weaknesses. Maybe as I think about my weaknesses, I realize I need to be with my brethren more. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Maybe as I consider my weaknesses, you know, I think, well, maybe if I was with my brethren more, they could encourage me. Whatever it is, as we look at our weaknesses, let's be honest with what those weaknesses are. And let's be deliberate in trying to address those weaknesses and protect against them like the rock badger so that we can be more pleasing to God. And maybe beyond just trying to strengthen our weaknesses, sometimes there are some things that we just need to run away from. We need to get away from the temptation. We get, may get away from the situation that may cause us to sin that might tempt us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, Flee sexual immorality. There are some sins you need to run away from. You just need to turn and get as far away from them as you can. The rock badger knows this. We need to understand that as well. Are there situations that if you were put in them, you know you'd be tempted to sin? Can you avoid those situations? You know, there's some situations you can't avoid. But there are some situations that we put ourselves in where we're going to be tempted to sin, we know it, and it's an option. We don't have to be in that situation. Maybe it's people that we're around. Maybe we know that when we're around certain people, they cause us to act and to speak and to think in ways that are not pleasing to God. I know that if I'm around him or I'm around her, that's going to be the result of this. Maybe I need to avoid that person. Maybe it's when I'm in certain places or certain situations. I know that I'm tempted to act in certain ways that I shouldn't act or do things that I shouldn't do. Well, I don't have to go there or be in that situation. I need to understand my weaknesses and avoid them. Remember the rock badgers. They hide in the rocks. They take refuge in the cliffs. We need to learn from the rock badgers and protect against our vulnerabilities. The third little thing that Proverbs tells us we need to learn for them is from the locust. And the locust work together. Look at chapter 30, verse 27 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 27. The locust have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. The locusts work together in swarms to completely devour everything in their path. There's no one keeping the locusts together, keeping them in order, saying, listen now, 
This swarm needs to get a little tighter. You guys are getting a little sloppy with your swarming now. Get it together here. Let's go and let's go eat this tree. No, they do it by themselves. They have no ruler. They have no king. There's no one to direct. There's no one to make sure that they all get along. There's no one that says, no, this is my leaf. You can't have it. They work together. They advance in ranks. They do what they're supposed to do. And when they work together, their devastation is incredible. Do you remember the plagues? In Exodus chapter 10, in Exodus chapter 10, verse 13 beginning. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on, all the, on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locust, and the locust went up all over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locust as they, nor such there shall be after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which, had the, hail, which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, this was extreme, no doubt. But it tells you the devastation that locusts can bring. And they bring that devastation not because they're fighting among themselves, because they work together in swarms. And we need to be like the locusts. You know, if we'll work together, we can accomplish great things. On the converse of that, though, if we're not working together, we'll accomplish very little. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11... Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Think about your human body and the wonderful way that your body works together. There are, there are no robots, there is no machine that can do what the human body does. Now there are incredible machines that men have made that can do incredibly, incredible things, do them incredibly fast. I've seen a lot of incredible machines in factories making incredible things in amazing precision, but those machines can do nothing like the human body. The complexity of the things that we can do with our human body and the small bodies that we are, the things that we can do, there's no machine that rivals it. And our bodies do this by God's design because every part works together. We couldn't do what we do if our body didn't work together, if each part didn't do its thing. 
And so it is with the body of Christ. When we all work together, we can do amazing things to the glory of God. And we've seen this in action. We've seen it in action here in this group. All of us have different abilities, different gifts that God has given us. We're all different. You can do things that I can't do, and I can do things that you can't do. But when we work together, we're able to accomplish so much to the glory of God. But back to the human body. When the human body doesn't work together like it should, do, should, when there are parts that aren't working like they should, then the body can't get much done, can it? You know, we have parking spots near the door of the store for people whose bodies aren't working together like they should. And it's not a pretty sight, is it? And none of us, we hope, will ever be like that, where our bodies aren't working together. But I want to tell you, it just takes one part of your body to mess everything up. Maybe it's your ankle. Maybe it's your knee. Maybe it's your little finger. One part of the body not working together can hinder the whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. When we don't work together like we should, when we fuss and we fight and we argue and we allow our pride to get in the way, when we allow our feelings to get hurt, when we let petty little things get in the way, I'm going to tell you, we're not going to be like the locusts who are wise, who are commended for working together. They have no king, yet they all advance in rank. And finally this morning, the fourth little thing that we want to look at from the book of Proverbs that's put forward to us as being exceedingly wise that we should emulate is the spider who uses its talents. Chapter 30, verse 28. Chapter 30, verse 28. The spider skillfully grasped with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. Have you ever thought about this? Now, granted, I don't know anything about the pest control uh, methods and practices of the White House. But chances are, there's a spider somewhere in the President Biden's bedroom. You ever thought about that? Now, I don't know, maybe there's a spider up under the mattress somewhere, or behind the dresser, or up in the corner of the room. There's a spider somewhere probably in President Biden's bedroom. Probably listened to him snore all night last night. How'd it get there? How'd it get there? It got there by using the abilities that God gave it to use. This little thing, this little creature did something that you and I will never, ever be able to do. We couldn't get past the front door. And that spider has worked his way all the way in to the president's bedroom. What about us? Are we like the spider? Are we using the abilities that God has given us? God has given us all abilities and talents. And they're all different, and that's okay. Our talents don't have to be alike. They're very different. And I'm amazed at the talents that different people have that I don't have. That would seem like an impossibility to me, and someone else can do it with ease. We all have abilities that God has given us. We need to be using those. And if we'll use those abilities to God's glory, amazing things can happen. In Romans chapter 12, 
In Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I don't believe these are miraculous. All of these, some of them are. I don't believe all of these are miraculous gifts. I think these are talents and gifts that God has given people. And God has given us all gifts. Are we going to be like the spider? Are we going to use them to do amazing things? I want to tell you, just because you're talented, just because you have abilities, just because you have gifts, doesn't mean that you're going to do great things with them. You've got to decide. Are you going to use those gifts that God has given you in a way that brings glory to Him? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What kind of steward are you being of the gifts that God has given you? Are you being a good steward? Are you being diligent about using your gifts? If we're diligent about using our abilities like the spider, we'll be able to do great things. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. And you know what? If we'll use the talents that God has given us, one day we'll be in the king of kings palace. We'll be rewarded eternally for living like God would have us to live. Wisdom is so important. God wants us to have wisdom. He wants to bless us in this life. He blesses us when we apply wisdom to how we live our lives. Four little things. The ant who works while they can. The rock badgers who know their vulnerabilities and protect against them. The locusts who work together. And the spider who uses its talents. What about you this morning? Are you what God wants you to be? Are you living like He wants you to live? If you're not, would you make a, a correction to that? God wants to bless you. And those blessings come when we obey Him. If you're not obeying Him this morning, will you let us help while we stand and while we sing?